Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet, the John Cambia Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around. We talk about our favorite things in the world, movies and movie news, TV and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff. And that's a good day. You're not from TCU. Mm. Wow. That was embarrassing last night, huh? I mean, people were like, why do I still... Like, I would love to see the ratings of the College National Football Championship after the Ant-Man trailer dropped. Because you know, like we're just sitting there going, just get to the damn Ant-Man trailer so we can turn this off. It was humiliating. Anyway, joining me, of course, sitting right over here is one Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Uh, sitting over yonder, of course, is Ray Ora. Uh, back there in the background, we got Taylor Gonzalez. And of course, our guy who's running the show today, Jonathan Boyko. And Aaron Cummings and the wonderful Joey Bishop is also here today. And most importantly... You guys are here. Thank you so much for being here making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics. Then in the second half of the show, for those of you who are our beloved channel members, we are going to take live questions from you, our channel members. Just make sure you go into the community tab once we get to the end of the main topics. And you'll see a post there just for the channel members. Go ahead and leave comments in that post. And we will read as many of those off as we can at the end of the show. All right. Also, a little bit of housekeeping. I want to remind you guys that if you need your daily fix of the John Campion Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, good news. There's an audio-only podcast version of the show that we creatively call the John Campion Show Podcast. It's up on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Search for it and subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. All right, guys. With that down, we've got a couple of off-the-tops here to talk about today. And our first one is interesting and is this. You know, there's a, a little live-action Dungeons & Dragons movie coming that I'm actually uh, really uh, quite excited about. But as it turns out, Dungeons & Dragons is not just going to live on the big screen. According to a report in Deadline, they have now directly ordered to series a Dungeons & Dragons television series. That is actually a live-action television series being written, and I guess the, the first episode is going to be directed by Ross and Marshall Thurber, who is, of course, the director of the number one Netflix film of all time, uh, Red Notice, which is also a giant piece of crap, a terrible movie. Sorry, Ryan, but it's, <laughs> that one's a bad movie. That, that one's a bad movie. But anyway, it is the number one Netflix film of all time, and, and he's going to be doing this thing. Now, I this is the next thing that Paramount Plus is, the next game adaptation. Because, of course, they've got Halo on there, and it did very well for them as far as their uh, ratings went. They got a good chunk of viewership for it. This one is not a video game per se, although there are Dungeons & Dragons video games you can play. I'm looking at you, ColecoVision. But there are, there are Dungeons & Dragons games you can play. Uh, but, of course, D&D is the classic, great tabletop game. I mean... Real kids today, get off the console for a minute, get together with some friends with some dice and paper and play a real role-playing game. Joe Manganiello just got a brand new custom-made table. Oh, I, I know. I, have you seen his Dungeons & Dragons dungeon? Oh, yeah. House? Like, it's the entire basement of his house is just one big Insane. Dungeons & Dragons. Are. Guys, you gotta, you gotta play some Dungeons & Dragons. You'll never ever stop playing once you do. At I any keep rate. begging Tom to get on Joe Manganiello's D&D team. I mean, not just any, just like specifically. And can probably one. get him on. 
Let's do it. And, Let, and make that one, happen. Anne's the one who brought uh, Joe and Kyle to Hasbro for the first time. She brought them into Hasbro and gave them a tour of, of uh, you know, where they do all that kind of I stuff. I want to be besties with Sophia. So, <laughs> Anne, make it happen for my husband. That's we'll my We'll see what we can do. So, anyway, I, I like this idea. Now, look, I have the same trepidation that I do with anything. Dungeons and Dragons can automatically be very schlocky. But when you look at what um, Vox Machina just did, which was corny in all the absolute perfect ways. Like it actually, I'm watching Vox Machina and I'm like, this is what it feels like playing a D&D game. This is what how people talk and this is what you do. And the trailers for the new show look fantastic or the new movie, I think look really fun. And I was really worried about that movie. I, I still am a little bit. But I am very, very excited for that uh, movie. So, you know what? Look, I I'm not the biggest fan of Ross and Marshall Thurber, to be honest with you. But he's had success. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cautiously optimistic about mm. this series. Rob, what do you think about it? Well, I mean, look, it it's expensive. Whenever I hear yep. someone's going to take on a giant fantasy property, it's like, look, I I'm all for it. And I, I go into all of these things wanting them to be great. But doing... You know, we're getting a lot of fantasy shows, both in animation and live action. It's hard to do them well. It is. And I think, I think, like you just pointed out, it's the tone that's the most important thing because you don't want to push it too far into the goofy factor. And the fact is, when you have fantasy shows that are very serious, like the, 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 the gold standard, which would be Game of Thrones and now House of the Dragon, and then there's some, like, sort of Shannara or whatever's in between all that stuff, you got to figure out what's your show like. What is it going to be? So I think the important thing for a Dungeons and Dragons show, like you pointed out, is the tone. What are they going for? Because it's got to be fantasy has to be both kick ass and fun. Yeah, but not stupid. Right. Yep. I.e. the first Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah. Which was just stupid. Just stupid. And, and kept anybody away for a long, long time of trying to get that going again. And and I don't know. I hope the movie's good. Anyway, Aaron. Like, I, I am curious, does something like a Dungeons & Dragons series have any appeal to you? What do you think about this? It has so much appeal to me, which I know is shocking to hear, but here's why. I have been hearing about this stupid game my entire <laughs> marriage, my entire friendship with you, invitations to come and play, and I'm like, no, this is, and, and, and Tom, you know, being like, oh, I don't know if I have time for two fantasy football leagues and a Dungeons and Dragons club or whatever you call it. I don't get it, and I feel like the best way for me to get it is not to invest in the game because um, I, Tom does a terrible, as you have seen firsthand, he does a terrible job of explaining how to play a game <laughs> as we learned when we tried to play that stupid yeah, Jaws yeah, board he, game he, that he got me for Christmas. I love playing I love playing games with Tom, but he is not the best at explaining He's the game. The I will give worst. you that. So I refuse to play Dungeons and Dragons with him. And if I watch this show, I will at least be able to go, okay, let me learn what this is all about. And then it might pique my interest to play the game. I will say this regarding the show itself. Um, I am excited because um, I'm not f totally familiar with the this gentleman that we've been talking about. Um, good for him that he's doing things with Netflix. It's not totally his fault that Red Notice was not 
you know, better for whatever reasons. However, Todd Lieberman. Oh, Joey Bishop's wandering around, <laughs> ready to pee on your floor. Sorry. Uh, Todd Lieberman is one of the producers of this movie. And Todd Lieberman actually produced my first ABC series, Detroit 187, many, many years ago. But he also produced things that you guys may have actually heard of, such as uh, The Fighter. Um, he also produced The Proposal with Sandra Bullock's. He produced Wild Hogs, which was very specific, but very funny. He also produced the Muppets movie. He is an Academy uh, and Emmy Award winning producer. And with Todd Lieberman behind this project, that's the name that actually gets me really excited about it. Because this guy, he's a hit maker. And I feel like with his expertise and his ability to put all the puzzle pieces together, he's going to get Joe Manganiello, at least in that brainstorming session, if not starring in it in some way. He's going to get the people who really understand the game and love the game. And they're the people that are going to tell the story. So I'm excited about that. If they don't get Joe Manganiello in this, it's a total missed opportunity. Oh. Total missed. Because the guy's a walking barbarian, right? So, yeah. I mean, and he's like, nobody knows D&D better than him. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Paramount Plus has ordered straight to series a eight episode first season of a Dungeons and Dragons show. By the way, uh, no indication that's connected in any way with the movie itself. So it's not a continuation of the movie. So who knows? Do you like the idea? Not like the idea? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's do another off the top here, shall we? And that off the top is this. You know, what is it this Sunday? This Sunday is game day. It is The Last of Us finally comes to HBO Max. With the, we've been excited about it since they first announced it. We got incredibly excited about it when we heard who the cast was. We got explosively excited when we found out who was show running this damn thing. We, I mean, and then the trailers have come out. It's looked great, but it's coming out this Sunday. Now, yesterday they had a premiere where they showed, I think, the first 80 minutes, the 80, 85 minutes of it, a very, very wet, and I don't mean that in the fun way, a very wet premiere because <laughs> there's a lot of rain in L.A. Wow. A lot of rain in L.A. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, swimming pool's fun. I don't know what you guys are thinking. So mm -hmm. it, like, it, was, it was a very, very rainy, rainy premiere. Mm -hmm. But some people, a lot of television critics, have already seen, been able, have been shown the entire first season. And take a look at Rotten Tomatoes. We'll go over my screen here, Jonathan. Over on Rotten Tomatoes, this thing's got a 97%. Wow. It's a failure. Nine, total failure. If the three people didn't like it, it's a total failure. Total bomb. Um, it, it's holding 97%. And the reviews and reactions for this thing are outstanding. They're absolutely outstanding. Listen to this. Uh, Meredith uh, Loftus writes, I have seen The Last of Us, and having not played the game, I still felt like I could immerse myself in this world. At the heart of this series is Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey bringing to life Joel and Ellie. Their chemistry is truly phenomenal, making the series something special. Uh, Ren Leroy wrote, The Last of Us is absorbing, heartbreaking, and cathartic. Holds true to the faithful essentials, but expands on profound narrative and meaningful pathos. Pascal and Ramsey are perfect in this beautifully told story about love, finding connection in the darkest times. It's a story about hope. Uh, Rachel Leishman writes, I am happy to say that The Last of Us is a home run, an emotional and heart-wrenching journey of hope, survival, and loss rolled up into a beautiful performance from Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal at his finest. I love this series so much. 
Uh, Brad Shakar writes, I was wrong about HBO's The Last of Us. I initially thought it would be an uninteresting retread of the PlayStation game, but it's actually a smart, well-crafted expansion of it. Plus, Peter Pascal and Bella Ramsey are perfect. 100. Uh, Shariah, I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, wrote, uh, let me tell you right now, if you had any doubts about Bella Ramsey and The Last of Us, throw them out. They didn't come to play and bring and bring Ellie to life in the spectacular ways. One of the best transfers from game to scream I have seen of a character. Brilliant work, Last of Us. Uh, Lyle Haley writes, The Last of Us on HBO is the best screen to uh, game to screen adaptation. That's not exactly a high bar, but it's the best screen to game adaptation I have ever seen that stayed true to why I love Joel and Ellie's story so much. Watching this show, I have laughed, I have cried, uh, filled with fear, and I have cried. Boy, have I cried. It's easily the best show of 2023, period. Which, of course, we are what? 10 days into 2023. Again, not exactly the high bar, but guys, I could go on and on. Like that's, that's all like all the, the, the critics who have seen the full season, put out their full things, all the reactions coming out of it. And now you saw, it's got a 97%, which means not everybody liked it. There had to have been one or two people that didn't for it to have a 97, but the response to this thing has not just been, it's good for a video game adaptation. It's, this show is spectacular. That's what we're hearing across the board. Now, somebody in this room actually had a chance to watch the first 80, 85 minutes of it. Uh, Taylor, our own Taylor Gonzalez had a chance to see it. What did you think about it, Taylor? I was so happy with the adaptation. Uh, it was, yeah, it was about 85 minutes, soaking wet. I, I honestly have not seen that much rain in L.A. I, I feel like HBO Wanted it to set the tone, set the atmosphere. <laughs> it was very spooky. And it rained in the episode. Spoiler, it rained in the episode. But whew, I was just so happy. I feel like <laughs> yeah, I gave it, it away. But um, the acting, the, the, the direction, it was just so cinematic. And then one thing that I learned that I didn't know going into it was that the composer for the video games actually helped compose music for the series. So mm. it just has that through line that really connects it. I, I am so happy with this. It comes out this Sunday. I cannot wait to watch it again. It's just, I was blown away. The lady next to me, uh, I was telling you guys before the show, she didn't know what The Last of Us was. She was there, I think, with her son or with her nephew. And she was having a blast. She, she, well, she, she was getting spooked, but she was having so much fun with it. She, you could just see the look on her face. And then the young man she was with was like nudging her like, oh, that's from the game. That's from the game. So it's just a really fun experience. Uh, now, again, I want to point out that this is not early reactions like the, the the ones that I've been reading off. And when you go to Rotten Tomatoes, these are people who actually saw the full first season. Right. This isn't because, you know, we we've all seen like I love the first episode of She-Hulk. Right. I love the first episode of Obi-Wan. And I ended up not liking either of those shows when it's all said. But these are coming from people who actually have seen the entire first season. So that's very exciting to me. Anyway, Rob, you're hearing these reactions coming from people. What are your thoughts? Well, the pedigree of the show, uh, I don't think there was ever any doubt in my mind that with Craig Mason coming off of Chernobyl that we were going to get something special, and it's HBO. You know, HBO, we've always said they're still the gold standard, the Tiffany standard. It's like every one of their shows comes in a powder blue box with a white ribbon on it. They're that good. And I think that that um, it's not a surprise the casting of this, we've seen Pedro Pascal, but also Bella Ramsey. I mean, she was incredible in Game of Thrones. Oh, she's one of so, the best things about so, Game I mean, of Thrones. I mean, a lot of well, people have said that, oh, she doesn't look like the character in the video game. And I'm like, no, they found the best actress to play her. 
And, uh, you know, with the production values that they're probably able to muster, I, John, I can't wait for this show. And even the trailers, I mean, you can see that this is, it's very upscale. And I love post-apocalyptic, end-of-the-world, zombified, disease stories. They're they're, uh, one of my favorite genres. And this looks to me, it's not a surprise to me that this is great. Because it it would be more surprising if it wasn't. I have to tell you something that happened last night that was hilarious. So before the episode began, they had a voiceover announcement of like, please silence your phones, you know, like, please no talking, texting. But it was by Nick Offerman. (laughs) Oh, my God. By the way. By the way, is is Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. He was like, by the way, I am not in this episode. So please lower your expectations. (laughs) I was busting up that he put that in there at the end. Aaron, you, you're, I mean, we've been talking about this show a lot. Like, this is the next must-watch show on my list. But what do you? Th- are you surprised by the responses? What are you taking away? Well, from I this? was actually more surprised that Taylor was sitting right next to me, and I was on a secret date with my young boyfriend. <laughs> like, that was, but thank you for not calling that out. No, the thing that I'm actually the most excited about is the fact that almost all of these responses, these reviews, are talking about the relationship and the chemistry between Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey because. If you've been watching the show for a long time, you know that my big thing is story. You can't have a you can't have a movie or a TV show if you don't have a story. But very close underneath that is relationships. The relationships between people are the thing that really is going to um, it's going it's the thing that's going to make people keep coming back, not just because of the world that's there, but because of who is in that world and whether or not we actually care about those people. You know, we talked a lot uh, when Obi-Wan Kenobi was airing about our frustrations with the series. But the one thing that really drew us in that we loved were the scenes between Vivian Lyra Blair and Ewan McGregor because of their dynamic chemistry. So to hear that Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey have that engaging lightning chemistry, that is not necessarily the thing that's going to get people to start watching, but that relationship is the thing that's going to get people to keep watching. And that gives me hope, not just for the pilot for this first episode, but for the series not just also through this season, but long-term into the future. So I'm excited about it. I'm ready to start watching on Sunday. All right, guys. And of course, we'll be doing our after show for, for Obi-Wan, or for Obi-Wan. No, that's done. <laughs> for for The Last of Us uh, starting on Monday. Anyway, guys, what do you think? What's your big takeaway? What are the things you're hearing in all these reviews and responses uh, that is standing out to you the most? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on over to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for the show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our hotline anytime, 951-268-4259. Leave your message there and Ryan Reynolds will personally transcribe it and hand deliver it to me on a piece of parchment. And we will maybe hear your show, your question on the show. All right. Today's question is about the upcoming Titanic re-release. Hey, John and crew, this is Nathan. I don't know if you guys saw the Titanic re-release trailer that came out this morning, but I'm really curious how you guys think it'll do at the box office because it comes out against the Magic Mike and I think the week after Knock at the Cabin, so it has a little bit of competition, so I'm wondering how you think it'll fare against them. Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in. And yes, this morning, a brand new trailer for a Titanic re-release came out. And the trailer is awful it's awful and okay let's back up a little bit 
so first of all, Titanic is getting a re-release. Uh, of course, taking advantage of all the big hype and everything surrounding Avatar, which is, of course, now officially the number seven biggest film of all time. It looks like it has a chance of getting into the top five, maybe even the top four and joining that ever exclusive two billion dollar club. So it looks like right now that they're trying to take advantage of that. They want to get they want to get on board with this and they want to make this thing, you know, see if they can get some uh, extra cabbage, if you will coming from uh, the ever-giving fountain that is James Cameron. <laughs> now, look, it's a re-release. Re-releases make a little bit of extra money, but I don't expect Titanic to come into theaters and make $60 million opening weekend. It, it, it's going to be a modest amount, and that's fine. And look, while I know it is the cool thing to hate on Titanic, just like everything, everything James Cameron does that becomes worldwide success, it becomes the cool thing to bag on it. And I understand it's a cool thing. Titanic sucks. You know what? Titanic's a great movie. It is a great movie. It is a mm -hmm. great movie. Do I think it's perfect? No. But <laughs> I think it is a wonderful, compelling, engaging movie that has you hanging Best on Best ending there. right here. Best what? ending. Yeah. <laughs> Most right fulfilling there. ending ever. No room. It's also got one of the great lines. I don't know why I love it when Billy, Sa Billy Zane says, I know you're melancholy. I don't presume to know why. Oh. I love that line. I love that line. That should basically just be the running line of every married man. Uh, exactly right. That's exactly right. I don't presume to know why. But I mean, the, right, it, it's compelling. It's engaging. It's thrilling right down to the moment that the damn boat goes under the water. I mean, whatever. But so they put out this trailer, though. And I was telling Rob before the show started, I said, have you seen the trailer yet? He goes, not yet. I'm about to watch it. And I'm like, here's the thing. It's awful. It's like they got some high school kid who purposely set out to grab every cringe moment from the movie because out of context, like I'll never let go, Jack, I'll never let go now, in context in the movie till you're frozen. The, the line works and the line is beautiful, but just plucked out of nowhere and dropped into a trailer out of context. It sounded I'm trying. Plus, I'm trying. the movie's a lot more interesting than that trailer. Oh, yes, yeah. I mean, the, the, way more the class trailer. conflict and, and everything that goes on. I mean, I love Kathy Bates as the unsinkable Molly oh, she's Brown. She's wonderful in that. You know, it's it's there's so much in that movie. It's so much. It's and so King Theoden as the ship's captain. Oh, yeah. From, from Lord of the Rings. I mean, come on. It's 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 And Victor Garber. It's like, yep. no, no, yep. the ship's going to sink. Francis Fisher. Yeah, Francis as her Fisher. Mother. Who's Not awesome. everybody will get this, but I don't know the actor's name. Victor Newman from Young and the Restless. He's he's the uppity British guy with the black mustache. My mom will get that. Yeah, your mom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, who doesn't love Titanic? Apparently the person who made this trailer. Yeah, because the person <laughs> who made this trailer did a ass awful job. Like if, if I had listen, the idea about a re-release, too, is that the movie celebrating its 25th year. But which, by the way, oh, damn, 25 years ago that movie came out. But Celebrate's 25th anniversary. You also want to say, hey, if you've never had a chance to watch Titanic, because this is a 25-year-old movie, here's your chance to come see it. But I'm telling you, if I had never seen Titanic, and that was this was my you know, gateway into it, and they showed me this trailer, I'm like, why would I go see this? This trailer looked awful. But also, I am going to go see it on the big screen again. Also, can I just say that the opening with, with the narration, it says Titanic was the ship of dreams, and you're going through the sunken corridor, and then it does the time lapse. There's no exterior shot, like the great establishing mm -hmm. shot of what, what the Titanic was in port and sailing out into the, the grandeur. They just show you going into the ballroom. How is that the ship of dreams? Well, it's the ship of dreams, and you're in this empty hallway with some deck chairs. <laughs> it's the ship of dreams. Yeah, yeah I can't Come wait to go man. there for my holiday. Yeah. I mean, I'd still rather go there than Disneyland. Anyway, 
Aaron, <laughs> you had a chance to see this trailer. What did you think about it? It was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. And I don't think that it was a young person who made this trailer. I think that it was someone who, like, fell in love while watching Titanic the very first time and was like, I'm going to take all those moments where the person held my hand in the movie theater and those... No, because the... the seeing this this movie is not and somebody in the chat stupidly said this is the biggest chick flick of all time no it's not no, it's really this not. isn't a chick flick at all it's an action movie it's not about romance it's about class this whole movie is about the lower class versus the upper class how they are struggling how they are you know putting their thumb down what she you know how she falls in love with him yeah the romance is what packages it up as a date movie, but it's about class and it is about how all the poor people on this ship died. Why? Because the rich people were like, sorry, we're locking you down here. You're going to drown and we're going to take the boats. So that's what's going to happen. And, and the humans of the modern age. You know, this is the unsinkable boat. Yeah. You know, right. and, and but I think that you're absolutely so right. When that when it first came when 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 you open it up about, you know, two people that, you know, you're like, Oh my God, look, they're in love. We don't know those people. We don't know Jack and Rose. Who cares about them? Yes, show the boat. Show like that first shot of going into the hallway and then how it transforms, that is more of an opening after you show the boat. Show the majesty, show the presentation, show that part, show that thing crap in half and falling down. You don't they even see even Bill Paxton that. in this trailer. Yeah. <laughs> like, Come on, that, man. I, I, the fact that they that they played more into the romance and less into the iceberg and the spectacle of what the I remember sitting in the theater and seeing that boat crack. We'd never seen anything like it before. No, my, that, like my know. blood just ran cold thinking about it. I remember seeing that moment and I it was like I was watching a horror film. It was so devastating. I mean, I've got chill bumps all you know, over my body right now just talking about it. Moments. And it's just a moment. One of the most heartbreaking moments that like again, movies are experiential events that made me feel in a way I don't think a movie had ever made me feel. It was it, it was a very unique sensation. But as the boat was sinking and the water was flooding in, they did a one quick shot of this older couple laying in their bed yeah. as the water was rising Ooh. around their bed. And Everybody's talking e about that in the chat right now. They're and all then, like, old couple, the old couple, And the they couple. just held each other <gasps> and held, as the waters was, was taking it. It reminded me, you know what? I have to believe that that shot was probably the inspiration for that amazing shot in Toy Story 3 when all the toys realized they were about to go down into the incinerator and they just held hands. Like that that moved me, but it, 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 was, it was an ambitious movie I'm like, anyway, we could go off on this forever. Anyway, bottom line is the trailer sucked. It's an awful trailer. But, uh, but it's I, you a know great what? movie. If but you haven't seen it, movie. go see it. A new restoration in 3D. If I could see it in an IMAX theater, I'll, I'd do that. I'd go see it. All yep. right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this trailer? I mean, we thought it was awful, but maybe you really enjoyed it. Maybe it brought back all the nostalgia. Are you going to go check it on the big screen? I got to admit, I probably am to, to go see this on the big screen, maybe for the last time. Whatever you guys thought about it, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a moment here and thank one of the sponsors, a couple of the sponsors of our show, our good friends at Helix and... ExpressVPN. Guys, we want to take a second and thank the sponsor of this video, 
Helix Sleep. Guys, let me tell you, just a couple of days ago, Ann and I received our Helix mattress, and it is the best mattress we have ever slept on in our entire lives. We had like this $3,000 specialized mattress that we got like five, six years ago, and we liked it very much, but this one completely outdoes it. It's night and day and you can get matched with your perfect mattress too. See, Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just like a minute to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way that you sleep. I hopped online, took the Helix quiz, and Anna and I were matched with the perfect mattress for us, and it is so easy to set up. Simply take it out of the box, get it positioned on your mattress, take off the plastic, and then give it an hour to to breathe to reach its full size and you will not believe how comfortable this thing is. All you got to do is go to helixsleep.com slash campia. Take their 60 second sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. And it's risk free. They have a 10 year warranty and you get to try it out for 100 nights. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Helix even has financing options and flexible payment plans. So a great night's sleep is never far away. And here's the best part. Helix is offering up to $200 off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at Helix helixsleep.com slash campia. We want to thank one of the sponsors of this video, ExpressVPN. Guys, you ever hear of data brokers? They're the middlemen collecting and selling all those digital footprints you leave online. They can stitch together detailed profiles which include your browsing history, online searches, and location data. They then sell your profile off to a company who delivers you a targeted ad. No biggie, right? Well, you might be surprised to learn that these same data brokers are also selling your information to government agencies like the Department of Homeland Security and the IRS. And you you don't want the tax man showing up your door because of some search you did on your phone. So mask your digital footprints and protect yourself with ExpressVPN. One of the easiest ways for brokers to aggregate data and tie it back to you is through your device's unique IP address, which also reveals information about your location. When you're connected to ExpressVPN, your IP address is hidden. That makes it much more difficult for data brokers to identify who you are. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of network traffic to keep your data safe from hackers on public Wi-Fi. So make sure your online activity and data is protected with the best VPN money can buy. Visit expressvpn.com slash campia right now and get three extra months free through my special link. That's expressvpn.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Helix Mattress. By the way, no kidding, guys. It is the best mattress Anna and I've ever used. And of course, our friends at ExpressVPN for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you support our sponsors, you're actually supporting us. So if you go down to the description of this video, right at the top, you'll find links to all of our sponsors and the promo codes. And again, thank you to Helix and ExpressVPN. All right. With that down, guys, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics on the show? Well, that's simple. That's where you guys come in because you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you'll see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campy Show. With that down, Aaron, what is our first main topic today? Jonathan Phillips writes in to say, Hey, John and crew, greetings from the UK. Hello, governor. So, Wizards of the Coast. Because that's how they all sound. <laughs> Would you like some fish and chips with that? 
No? Jeez. No? Wow. It's only we're in Oliver. We're in Chris Carr. I need some dialect coaching. Uh, sorry about that, Jonathan. I truly do love your people. Uh, so... Wizards of the Coast, the company that produces Dungeons & Dragons content, are in a bit of hot water over changes to their open games license, with hundreds of fans and designers calling to boycott the company and the upcoming movie. My question for you is, do you think this uproar has the potential to harm the movie, or will this game-based drama not sway the general movie-going non-gaming audience? Thanks, and bring on the filthy. All right, Jonathan, thanks a lot for sending that in. And Yeah, this is a really interesting kind of situation that they have going on here because, okay, the basics of the situation is this. Dungeons and Dragons has a, what they call an an OGL, an open game license, which imagine this, Rob, imagine if Star Trek and the the company, you know, Paramount and Star Trek, the IP said, what did you just bring up? I'm the one who brought it up. (laughs) Imagine if they had a policy that said, hey, you know what? If you want to create Star Trek content and sell it and all that kind of stuff and say it's connected in with our Star Trek universe, you go right ahead and do it. You go, you profit yeah. from it, go make your own thing. It's all good. Rob, because I, I bring that up because Rob has some experience with this, of course. Oh. Or imagine if DC Comics said, oh yeah, you, you want to write your own thing about Batman and you want to sell it? Yeah, yeah, you go ahead and do that. Yeah, go ahead. And you want us to act like it's actually part of the overall DC world? Yeah, 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 yeah. You go. You go do that. That's really nice. Nobody does that. Oh, no one does that. No one does that. But Wizards of the Coast, who are owned by Hasbro, and of course, my wife for a long time was a senior person over at Hasbro, but she's not there now, so fuck them. But, you know, Wizards of the Coast, for the longest time, have had this open game license where people could literally create their own stuff. And sell it. I mean, that's where Pathfinder came from, which is not one of the more, more popular tabletop role-playing games, right? It built on the rules of actual Dungeons and & Dragons. And they've let people go and do this. And that's wonderful. Well, according to this story, what has happened now is that Wizards of the Coast has apparently kind of updated their, their terms and are calling it the OGL open game license like 1.1 or, or something along, along those lines, right? Where basically now they are making it more restrictive. And there are certain things you can do and certain things you cannot do. Uh, for instance, it says this, these third-party products, of course, products <clears throat> people were able to make and build around Dungeons and Dragons all they want. These third-party products were formerly protected under the original open game license, but the new system is said to be far more restrictive. In fact, uh, Kodega, that's a writer, for a journalist, says that these changes will have a major focus on making creators report their published works directly to Wizards prior to releasing. Which may be more restrictive, but that's still something no other IP would ever allow their no. fandom to do. Mm-hmm. So th- this may be more restrictive than it was, but it, but even under the more restrictive nature, it's something that no IP under any other industry would ever let people do. And all they want to do, according to what you just said, is have them report what they're making. Just now, report it. There are it more restrictions. There are more restrictions. So, for instance, apparently now there is a uh, what's what's the cut off the top? There there's a residual that you need to pay to Wizards of the Coast licensing fee. Licensing fees, basically, if you will, but only if the products you make earn over $750,000 a year. That's a- <laughs> And then, 
<laughs> only, only on the amount over $750,000. Oh, my God. So if you make $780,000, you only have to pay a royalty based on the 30 extra thousand wow. dollars that you made. Just make sure now you make look, 775 baby. Look, I, I am, let me just confess right here. I am not intimately knowledgeable of all the things involved with the OGM. Let me ad ad admit that right up front. I'm not intimately knowledgeable with all the things that are involved with the OGL or the open game license. But as I read through a bunch of the, of the stories yesterday, and I read through a number of the outlets, all with their reporting of it, and I got as many details as I could in about mm -hmm. 45 minutes. I still sat back and went, so... I get it. You've had the people, these third party creators who've been kind of building their stuff around this. I get it. You've had a very sweet deal for a long time that no other industry ever would have let you come remotely close to doing. And again, I'm saying this as an outsider. All right. As an outsider with, with only a limited perspective, I now look at it and say, okay, even with these new much stricter restrictions, you still get to do way more than any other IP would ever let you do. And again, and I'm open to being educated about this. I, by, by all means, if you guys got articles and stuff like that, and you want to send them to me so I can deepen my own understanding of this and become more educated in it. Great. But I'm just saying from the limited perspective that I've had, I'm like, eh, I mean, I get like, if you've had a free ride for a long time and then suddenly a bunch of that free ride is taken away, Sure, that that's jarring, and that's that's a little bit upsetting. But it, some people, I've read some responses online. People are acting like West Wizards of the Coast is acting in some draconian, like like villainous way. But it's like you still get to do it. And by the way, one of the other things is a key um, thing in this because people could just write whatever they want and create whatever they want. It has created some problems for this. So, for instance, the new open game license, and this is coming from NME, wrote. The new open game license addresses new technologies like blockchain and NFTs and takes a strong stance against bigoted content, explicitly stating that the company may terminate any agreement you have if third-party creators publish material that is blatantly racist, sexist, homophobic, bigoted, or otherwise discriminatory, reports Gizmodo journalists. There goes now, my incel wizard. <laughs> there, there goes Jonathan's product. But this is important because a lot of average people We'll see third-party created stuff and just associate it with the official game, sure. with Wizards of the Coast. And if people are out there writing like some horrible, horrible, horrible shit, I'm not talking quality horrible, I mean like you're a horrible person kind of shit, that can hurt and damage the company. So again, I'm just saying from, from the, the articles I read in under an hour yesterday, my limited understanding, but look, the question you asked was, is this going to hurt people going out to see the movie? I think 99% of people don't care. Even people like me who play the game, I, I don't think we're... You know, I wish we had Kyle Newman on today because I'm sure he would have a wonderful perspective on this. But anyway, Rob, you hear about this. Uh, do you think this is a serious thing? Do you think this is going to affect the number of people that want to go out and watch the Dungeons & Dragons movie? What do you think? Well, I, here's what I... I guess I've always lamented this. I've been a fan, John, for decades. And there is a... I think fandom needs to have a, a, a more of an understanding of the business of what it is that we love. Um, it costs a lot of money to create, whether it's movies, even Dungeons and Dragons. There's a large infrastructure behind it of people that have to get paid and copyrights and all the things that that support 
these gaming systems. I mean, going back, Gary Gygax what started this in the mid seventies. So this is something that's it's approaching its fiftieth anniversary. And they have to protect this. And for them to have an open license the way they've had it, even what you've described, is unprecedented amongst IP. And they understand that Dungeons & Dragons is a very iterative game. When you sit down, there's a million different ways to play it. You know, there's a million different ways fans of the system, uh, gaming system, interact with it. So the fact that they have an open gaming license at all shows that they understand their fan base and they understand their player base, which is something that should be lauded. And that's something that I think is 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 really honorable. But they also have to protect their IP. I mean, they have to. And to change your gaming license, I mean, everything after 700, that means somebody's making $750,000 <laughs> a year on their own, making their own gaming systems that fit along with D&D. That's insane. Now, now wait a minute. Do you have to pay uh, tax on those 700, that three quarter of a million? Like, well, I'm sure it's like any, yeah, any, any unbelievable, unjust. (laughs) By the way, you'd have to pay more tax on $750,000 than you would to Wizards of the Coast for your profit that you made. Anything that that saves you on taxes. Yeah. But no, I look, I don't think it should affect them. I mean, if they want to gin up some kind of controversy like this, okay, I get it. But I think that they should actually look at it in the other direction. Like Wizards of the Coast is protecting their 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 beloved IP and at the same time allowing people a lot of leeway to make three quarters of a million dollars a year before they're liable to give any or liable to give any money to Wizards of the Coast. What's not to love? Again, I'm just trying John, to imagine can we get in the D and D business? I'm just trying to imagine a scenario where Marvel would say, Oh, you want to write your own X twenty three story and make a movie out of it? And well, yeah, yeah, you go ahead. I, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine a scenario where that's even remotely possible. Anyway, all right. Uh, sorry, we spent uh, more time on this than we need to. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this OGL thing? Do you think that this uh, little controversy, uh, and again, maybe there's more to it than we understand. I'm sure we're doing a little bit of an oversimplification of it. I'm open. Again, this is just from the stuff I've read in the span of about an hour yesterday. But whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Aaron, what is our second main topic today? Edmund Wright, excuse me, Edmund Wright writes in and says, I remember there was some talk a while ago about a serious live action Captain Planet movie. I had no idea that Top Gun's Glenn Powell was part of that or that Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to produce it. Anyway, I just saw that Powell is saying that he and DiCaprio are still extremely passionate about making that movie. With major stars like this behind it, do you think that we could finally get a Captain Planet movie? All right, Evan, thanks a lot for sending that in. And this is, you know, every once in a while a story comes out that I go just to, you know, with all due respect to Chris Carr, for why? (laughs) A Captain Planet movie. No, this isn't a good idea. And no, no one's going to go see it. I'm not talking about, I'm not not befudging the, the, uh, the underlying significance of what the messaging of Captain Planet, of course not. I'm not, I'm not bringing in that question. Is anybody going to buy tickets to go to a Captain Planet movie? The greatest Captain Planet manifestation we've ever had is Don Cheadle and Saturday Night Live as Captain Planet. <laughs> I forgot about that. It was the greatest <laughs> thing. See if you can pull some screenshots. Yeah. The great if you want if you want a Captain Planet adaptation, go watch Don Cheadle on Saturday Night Live doing Captain Planet. And that would be about as interesting as a live action thing. But listen, there are some heavyweights behind it, including super hot right now, Glenn Powell and Leonardo DiCaprio. This comes to us from the folks over at IndieWire who write the following. 
Glenn Powell, the Top Gun Maverick actor, said that the long-rumored Captain Planet movie may have new life thanks to DiCaprio still being super passionate about the project. The adaptation of the 1990s cartoon was first announced in 2016, with Powell set to write the script. While Powell noted that the fate of Captain Planet ultimately lies in the hands of Warner Brothers Discovery, and where all the superhero stuff kind of lands there, he added, I think those conversations will be happening shortly about officially greenlighting the film. All right. First, let's acknowledge, if you've got two people, one, again, super hot name in Hollywood right now, Glenn Powell, and one of the names in Hollywood, Leonardo DiCaprio, saying they are they passionately want to get this movie done. You could make it about anything, and a studio's got to consider it. You got to consider it. But after careful consideration, David Zaslav should kick back, put up his size 12s on the table, and say, pass. Pass. I he get it. Listen, environmental stuff is something Leonardo DiCaprio is very passionate about. The messaging of Captain Planet is fantastic. No one is going to go see this. Unless you get Don Cheadle and make a feature-length film version of what his Saturday Night Live sketch is, that people would go to see. But I don't see anybody <laughs> wanting to see this. I don't know. What do you think, Rob? Well, I would see that. <laughs> there he is! Don Cheadle has kept You know what, planet. though? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I love oh, that. No. <laughs> and he's turning everybody into plants. <laughs> um you know, I, I think in a certain way, if you did Captain Planet as a comedy, as a parody, as like a you know what a, that mist, could work. a mystery yeah. men kind of a way, if Glenn Powell was playing a Captain Planet character, there is a way. I mean, obviously, Captain Planet, the message, the reason Leonardo DiCaprio likes the, the character, because it's all about conservation and saving the planet yeah. and doing what's best for the Earth. Glenn Powell would make a great Captain Planet if he was playing him. And you could do, I could see a world where it could be a really body, funny comedy with a conservation message. Yeah, like, I mean, if you, instead of leaning towards Batman or Wonder Woman, you lean more towards Peacemaker and Deadpool, I give, then that could be interesting. Yeah, but I don't think that's, you know, I don't think that's kind of where they're going no, with this because the funny. message, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio is a passionate conservationist and all that. So I, I just can't see this working. Aaron, I mean, I've I've been to your house. I have seen the Captain Planet posters all over the place. I mean, you are clearly a passionate Captain Planet. But I know it's just, I mean, listen, you can't just discard discard something that a Glenn Powell and a Leonardo DiCaprio would be behind. But I know, is this something you could see actually happening? Uh, No. I mean, just the, (laughs) the quote specifically to take it out of his mouth is saying, um that he noted that the fate ultimately lies in the hands of Warner brothers discovery. We can just stop that sentence right there. <laughs> That's enough. Said. I mean, all like, as soon as I read that line, I was like, Oh, okay. And then it says, uh, and then he says where all the superhero stuff kind of lands there. Um, and then I think those conversations will be happening shortly about officially greenlit. Like this, just that whole section of this article is so convoluted with, uh, ugh, yikes, I don't think that this is going to go well. But you know what? I really admire the optimism 
I think that's great. And one of the things that we all know about Hollywood is that it's just like the popular kids table at in high school. Nobody wants you to sit there until somebody wants you to sit there. And then once somebody wants you to sit there, everybody wants you to sit there. And right now, a lot of people want Glenn Powell and Leonardo DiCaprio sitting at their table. So I love the fact that he's optimistic about it. Um, we don't know what, you know, what avenue, what direction he's writing this. And for anybody that's like, rah, 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 Glenn Powell writing something, you don't know what kind of writer Glenn Powell is. He, right now, he's writing something with Richard Linkletter, who is... Look at a, Taylor Sheridan, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. And also, I will say this. I think that most actors who are professionals in dialogue are better writers than a lot of people just graduating from college and trying out, you know, if you've, if you're someone like Glenn Powell, who has read probably hundreds of scripts, you have more business writing your own script than a lot of people who were doing it for the first time. I'm just saying. So I'm interested to see Glenn Powell as a writer. I'm open to seeing what he can come up with. And, you know, if there's legitimate conversations between him and Leonardo DiCaprio, maybe it's not Warner Brothers Discovery. But that doesn't mean that there is not a world in which this could exist if done the right way. And as you said, Leonardo DiCaprio is a big conservationist and very devoted to the planet. So who knows? But I also agree, getting Don Cheadle on board would be really fun. <laughs> that would be fun. But that, I mean, for me, the bottom line comes down to this, and I think this would be the question that David Zaslav or Bob Iger or, or any of the studio heads would ask. Is anybody going to buy tickets to go see this? <laughs> I mean, Taylor, Taylor's going to go see it. There you go. I honestly am. I was asking the live chat. Yeah, but if, you'll see the free, like, you'll go yeah. see the screening at the studio. Yeah, you'll you go know, see the free screening at the studio. No, no, no. I was asking the live chat if growing up, I was the only one that thought Miss Frizzle from uh, the Magic School Bus and Captain Planet used to, you know, recycle, reduce, and reuse together. <laughs> But oh now I feel like when this takes off, Leo and uh, Glenn Powell, you heard it from me. That could be the shared cinematic universe. Miss Frizzle shows up in the second one. But also, like let's be real. One of the big things for Gen Z is the environment. Like, that's a huge issue for Gen Z. If you read any article about what is important for Gen Z voters, even if you are not traditionally, you know, a conservationist, that better be on your radar because that's definitely on there. So who knows? Maybe we're maybe the one Gen Z person in the room who is behind this. <laughs> understands and the rest of us old farts just don't get it that's always a possibility too but they'll I mean, go see avatar before they'll go see a captain planet to be movie. fair though and going uh -oh. to taylor's point i mean reduce and reuse is a pretty big theme in hollywood so <laughs> yeah it certainly is and an oh, well nfl done. coaching and well an done. nfl coaching all right guys question is for you what do you think i mean look if, if there's any other name other than leonardo dicaprio attached to this we wouldn't even be talking about it. but could a Captain Planet thing actually happen if Leo's attached? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. Aaron. What is our third main topic today? Galactic Champ writes in and says, Hey, everyone. A report by The Direct has indicated that Adam Driver is the top choice for Marvel Studios to play Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four. The report emphasizes that this info was retrieved from the direct source, which in the past has been accurate, as they were also the first to report about Matt Shackman for F4. John, at this point, I am certain that Marvel themselves are just feeding these bits of info to keep keep people to keep the real cast safe regardless or not of whether or not this is true adam driver is a ferocious actor
actor for heavy roles like Doom, but not the ideal choice for Reed. What do you think about Driver for Reed, John? Thanks. Uh, all right, thanks for that. And and look, let's let's be clear here. First of all, um, I do not believe Director was the first to report on Matt Shackman. I, I I think that was somebody else who did. But but they might have been. And listen, they've they've reported a lot of stuff that they've said were exclusive that didn't turn out, and and some that did. So you know, take that for what it's worth. So the idea. I have said for some time, and I still believe, although, listen, Kevin Feige did not get on the phone with me to tell me this is the case. This is just me as a fan giving my like my perspective of it. I believe that the Fantastic Four is cast and has been cast for a while. Regardless of what anybody else says, I believe that's a done deal. Could it be Adam Driver? Could Adam Driver be that guy? Well, the reason we're even asking the question is because it's not just the director. It's coming from a couple of places. This comes to us from the director who wrote the following. Insider Jeff Snyder, who we all know very well, he was the guy, He was the guy, by the way, who broke that Harrison Ford was going to be joining uh, the Thunderbolts and a number of other things we've been talking about lately. He's been breaking a bunch of stuff. Uh, insider Jeff Snyder recently shared unverified information that Driver may be in line for the Mr. Fantastic role or possibly even Dr. Doom. But while he stated that this came from an unproven source, he noted that it smells right to him. According to the direct's own sources, Driver is Marvel Studios' top casting choice to play the new Reed Richards. All right. If this is true or not, who knows? We've heard a dozen names of people saying, so-and-so is the lead to play Reed Richards. No, so-and-so is the lead to play Reed Richards. Okay, but here's why Adam Driver's name is one that should at least get your attention. Number one, he is an Academy-level actor, and Kevin Feige likes that. He likes going after the celebrated pedigree of performer when he can. Like He's not just about the popular names or whatever. He, he likes that a lot. But most importantly, number two is Adam Driver is already in the Disney family. Adam Driver has been the star of one, two, three billion dollar films for the Disney empire. Of course, playing Kylo Ren. By the way, if you have not seen John Oliver's clips on YouTube talking about Adam Driver and you want to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole for 20 minutes and you want to laugh your guts out, just look up John Oliver, Adam Driver on YouTube and don't be drinking anything as you're watching it because you'll be spitting stuff out of your nose. It's it's some of the funniest crap ever. But he's he is world class. Like Driver is world class. And what's the the one the marriage story? Is it called a marriage yeah, story? Yeah, marriage, marriage story. story. That, like when you watch him in a marriage story, like he does things in that I didn't know he was capable of. I mean, his Italian accent in that movie was amazing. <laughs> and Leon, he was. I don't care what anybody says. He was great in. Um, House of Gucci. House of Gucci. He was. I was going to say the Versace. He was great. He was wonderful in the House of Gucci. He really, really, I didn't end up loving the movie, but he was fantastic. He's great. And you know what? Bring up that picture of him again there, Jonathan. Uh, it, when I've seen him act and perform and stuff like that, could I see him as an egghead scientist? Absolutely, I could. Can Adam Driver come across as the smartest guy in the room? Adam Driver absolutely could come across as the smartest guy in the room. Now, look, if I were to wake up tomorrow and find out that Adam Driver was actually cast to play Dr. Doom, I'd be all for it. It's like, yeah, hell, that would be good, too. But you tell me that's the smartest guy in the MCU universe. I buy it. He mm -hmm. looks like a scientist to me. Uh, and he's also physically he's a big guy. Big guy. A lot of people forget about that. I, mm -hmm. I have stood next to Adam Driver. I'm not a small dude. I'm six foot, 220 pounds. 
Adam Driver is a big dude. And so, you know what? Whether this is true or not, I do not know. I, I mean, Jeff seems to have good instincts about this. There are multiple sources about it. I will just go by the fact that he's the pedigree and he's in the Disney family. And on those basis alone, I think it's a worth least. You got to consider the possibilities. They could be it. And I'll tell you what, if they announce tomorrow that he is Reed Richards, it's not the first name I would have come up with, but it's one of the damn good ones. And I will be very happy about it. I don't know, Aaron, you heard about this story. We've been talking about Fantastic Four for a long time. We're obviously we're all familiar with Adam Driver's work. Theoretically speaking, if they announce tomorrow that Adam Driver is Mr. Fantastic, what do you think about that? And what do you think the chances are that it's actually true? I think he would be great. I think he would be, he absolutely could play this role. I mean, first of all, Adam Driver, I mean, yeah, you can see, even though he's carrying a very small person on his back, there's no way I look at that guy and go, yeah, he's about 5'7". No, that's a big dude. And he has a presence about him. He has the chop. Good Juilliard kid. Can I steal that from you? He's a Juilliard-trained actor. He has more than established himself as a force within this industry. Um, and I think that he would be great. But my question is, can they get him? Because let's be real. Does he need to do this? You know, he when you're you're not just signing on for one movie and then you're done for Adam Driver, who is um, doing these films to get his Oscars to, you know, to really establish himself as a serious actor, not just someone who wants to get a paycheck or to be in the zeitgeist or, um, you know, to get an action figure made out of him. Not that there's anything wrong with those aspirations. You do you. But I get the impression from Adam Driver that he's just in it for something a little bit deeper. And so my question is, does Adam Driver want to sign on for a four picture deal? Does he want to commit seven months out of the year, if not more, to doing a movie like this? I don't know. He already has his Kylo Ren in the can. You know, he's got that. Um, you know, I asked Tom the same question today and he's like, oh, well, he's already got Kylo Ren. Why would he want to be another name? And I go, yeah, totally. It's like, why would Harrison Ford want to be indie and uh, Han Solo? Oh, I was like, Skywalker. See, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why would you want to do? Um, but it, it is a it is a valuable point with Adam Driver being able to essentially say whatever he wants to do. Hey, if Adam Driver was the one that was like, yeah, me and Leonardo, Car Leonardo DiCaprio were talking about doing Captain Planet, I'd be like, oh shit, that's getting made tomorrow. <laughs> but you know, I. Um, I don't know if they can get him. And that's maybe uh, that's maybe me just thinking a little too highly of Adam Driver. Maybe he's not even on the list at all. I would like to see him with a haircut, though. I, I, figure, I feel like the quaff is too much for, for I'll this tell you role. two reasons why they could get him. All right? Two reasons why they could get him. Number one, when while Marriage Story was great, doing a movie with Ridley Scott, House of Gucci was great, those were not super impressive paychecks for a guy of his of his stature you do this he he will make more money doing this than he will for the entire rest of his career like he he will literally be in a place where for him his family whatever he could for the rest of his career after he puts in a couple of years service playing reed richards that he could literally then just do any little tiny project he wanted for the rest of his career he'd be set but the real reason why i think you could get him aaron the real reason I remember the first time this really hit me is when I was sitting uh, in uh, in the room with Anthony Hopkins when they were first promoting the first Thor movie. 
And the question, inevitable question came up. Because at that point, getting Anthony Hopkins mm. in one of the, well, that was a huge deal. Somebody asked, why, why a comic book movie? And I remember he went on this big thing about, I saw the joy he gave my grandkids. Mm. And I wanted to be the cool grandpa. I wanted to be that. And then when you talk to a uh, Butch Cassidy Sundance kid, uh, Robert, Robert Redford, Redford, when they talked to Robert Redford, it was kind of the same thing. When they talked to Sir Ben Kingsley, it was kind of the same thing. When they talked to, there was another actor who talked about his kids. Here's the thing. Adam Driver has kids. And I think one of the biggest things about this, it's great, but I don't care how famous you are. Your kids all look at you like you're an idiot. Well, that's why Angelina Jolie did Maleficent. Yes, exactly. For her daughter. And... What and a- why she did a comic book movie as well. And so I think if Adam Driver's like, the one, my one-way guaranteed ticket into cool dad status is I'm Mr. Fantastic. I'm in the MCU. I, I, again, I'm not okay. saying that means That's he'll fair. do it. I think that becomes a life reason why maybe he would consider that. I don't know. Rob, you hear about this. Number one, what do you think the chances are that Adam Driver could be Mr. Fantastic? Number two, would you be cool with him as Mr. Fantastic? Well, one, I think he's, he's a very diverse actor. I mean, he's done things like Patterson which is a low key movie where he's a bus driver in a small town. You know, I really like that movie. And I think whenever he's been in something, he gives it his all. And, you know, he's former military. He wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't going to be an actor, you know, then he discovered it and he became this presence. He's got a very unique quality to him. I think he would be an offbeat, different portrayal of Reed Richards than we might think, but I think he would be pretty good. I mean, I think he can, Whatever he's called upon, he brings something unique to that role, which could be interesting. It really would depend on who they're going to cast. I mean, if you look at him right here, you know what? You quaff up his hair a little bit. Uh, you put a little gray in there. He could absolutely put be a Put gray Reed on the Richards. sideburns, yeah. But again, with the Fantastic Four, it's also really important about who you cast as Ben Grimm, Johnny Storm, and oh, Sue Storm. Oh, absolutely. So, you Ooh. know, it depends. Like, that's hey, more yeah, of Reed there's Reed Richards right there. there, right there. there. your House of Gucci look right there. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's your Reed Richards. I mean, very much so. I mean, I think you could definitely do it. Woody, I don't know. But I think he would bring a great, great quality to the role. So, yeah, I mean, it really depends. Does he want to do something like that um, or not? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about him, but I'd watch a movie that he plays Reed Richards in. By the way, we're talking a little bit about the SNL skits with whatever. One of the greatest SNL skits of all time is Undercover Boss with Kylo Ren. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that when he, like he, when he gives, like the part, the funniest part Just of that is when he gives the his employee the card and says, sorry, I killed your son. <laughs> like, I. by the way, if you have not seen Adam Driver doing Undercover Boss as Kylo Ren, Go watch it. You're going to love it. Anyway, guys, question is for you. We don't know that this is going to be real, but there are some people saying it. So let's ask in theoreticals. If it ends up being Adam Driver as um, as Mr. Fantastic, as Reed Richards, maybe it's not your first choice, but would you be excited about that? Would you be down with that? Or maybe you think it's a miscast. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number four, shall we? Aaron, what is our fourth main topic today? Big forehead guy. Hey, man, I hear you. I'm the same way. Good morning, Campia and friends. 2023 looks to be a return to form for the MCU. The newest trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, has dropped, and it surpassed the first trailer in every respect. It did what a great trailer should do. 
It told a short story without giving away specific plot points and increased my hype tenfold. What did you all think of it? Have your expectations for the film changed in any way? Thanks and stay sweaty. All right, big forehead guy. Thanks a lot for saying that in. And yeah, I suffered through one of the most unwatchable college football games ever last night because instead of putting up the trailer, at halftime, like they normally do for these things, they no, no, you got to wait to the end of the third quarter, and we had to watch that abysmal football game. I mean, unless you're a Georgia fan, then it was pretty. Yeah, yeah Ray's Ray's pretty big. Too, you don't know, like Ray's actually got Georgia stuff on a lot of his. I, how did you become a Georgia fan, by the way? How do we get on this topic? I just picked them. Oh, you just picked him. That yeah, was your team. How does Ray get lower in his shot every day? Yeah, anyway. How does he get lower in his strength? He's becoming more? one with his chair. <laughs> yeah. So the trailer comes out. And I've got two different mindsets of it, all right? And the first mindset of it is this. It is a fine trailer. I mean, as far as just the basic mechanics that you need to have in a good trailer, we've talked about this a lot. Give us a bit of an idea of the story. Don't give away a lot of stuff, but let's... We go into this now. I've learned a lot more because remember we, we talked last week that somebody told me, yeah, the new trailer, it's going to have this, it's going to have this, and all that was in there. But it did the job. I mean, it basically gave me a basic idea about things. We now understand, okay, so there's a bargain that gets struck. That's for some reason, Kang needs something from Scott. They enter into a deal. We see them working together at some point. Obviously, at some point, that goes badly. I hope that wasn't from the last scene of the movie, like the, the fight going on between Scott and Kang. I mean, I hope they didn't do that. I'm sure they wouldn't. Maybe this is like in the first half of the movie. But we got our basic idea of that. Uh, even something little, something small, like seeing his daughter coming out of a prison cell. Like that gives us a lot more insight into the character about why he wants to get time back, that he wasn't there for his daughter. So she got in trouble. So now just because of this trailer, I understand now more of his motivation about why he feels so desperate to get some of that time back that he lost. Kang needs something from him too. And it, so it did all of that. It did another thing of a good trailer. It gave us delicious little morsels. This shot, for example, I know got a lot of people excited. Very cool. There's also a very cool, we get a, sh a look at MODOK, which got a lot of people very, very excited. We told people that we were told there are going to be a couple shots in this thing that are going to make people go, wow, moments. That was one of them for the, for the diehard things. And so as somebody who, you know what, I, I mean this sincerely, other than the Captain America series, I think Ant-Man might be my favorite sub-series in the MCU. I, I really love Ant-Man. Now, I will say, but look at that shot. That's pretty cool. I will say this, though. For a movie called Ant-Man and the Wasp, there ain't no wasp in any of these trailers. Yeah. I don't, there wasn't a single line of dialogue from... from this, is, this is an Ant-Man movie, but who knows? Maybe it's not that way once we get into the film. Uh, so overall, as a fan of the MCU, as a fan of Ant-Man, I, I walked away very high. And as a fan of good, mechanically sound trailers, I walked away from this trailer really happy. But I have another perspective on it as well. Clearly, to me, to you, to a lot of you guys watching, as, as we are the five percenters, you know, we're the diehards, right? It was really, really good. I could not help but wonder, because I turned to Anne immediately. I could not help but wonder, will this trailer play as well for the casual moviegoer? And honestly, I'm not so sure it will. Like, I don't, like, my mom, who's a big movie fan, watches, watches a lot of comic book movies and stuff like that, right? I don't know my mom would watch that trailer and get excited about it. Because mm. if you're not looking for the things that we're all looking for, it may have come across to some people as just one big CGI mess. 
like, oh, blah, blah, and multiple things, and oh, look at all this. I I, I don't know. I, and I, I'm honestly wondering that. Now, I'm not the casual moviegoer, so I can't really answer that question. But it did make me wonder coming out of it as much as I actually thought the trailer was quite good. Anyway, Rob, you had a chance to see the trailer. What did you think of it? Well, I mean, clearly the trailer seems to me derived from the same chunks of the movie that we've seen, but giving us a little bit more in drips and drabs in terms of a little of, more context, too. a little more context, which I like the idea that he lost time with his daughter. I mean, I really enjoyed when he comes back in Endgame, and that's, that's great motivation and all this. But again, you know, this seems also very atypical. You know, I know Peyton Reed said he wanted to do an Avengers level threat, but moving, moving Ant-Man into this quantum realm coming up against Kang has been atypical because the Ant-Man movies have traditionally been smaller. Yes. You know, Ant-Man 1 had a great climax in his daughter's bedroom on a on a train set. Yeah. And I, Which was I, awesome. It was awesome. Way. And I really like that Let's about on that the Ant-Man okay. franchise. And now it's expanded into this, you know, real fantasy realm. And I'm hoping, which could work, it could be great, I understand that, but I'm hoping that that there is a little bit more grounding to this. I didn't see a lot of grounding other than I guess he's going to a lot of parties at the beginning, red carpet events, movie openings, whatever. I just hope that it, it with all of its fantastical CGI landscapes, that there is a grounding to this. Because like you, I'm a huge fan of the previous two movies. And I like the fact that they added, they added, they're very, they're the, I think the most grounded of the MCU movies. And this doesn't look like that at all. That said, dude, Kang, beginning of a new dynasty, I'm all there. This comic book fan's like, all right. But it's so weird. Because How great is that shot, by the it's way? Great, but How great is that but shot? But they're positioning, like you made a good point. They're positioning Kang. We know who Kang is. I'm excited for the Kang dynasty, but does the average moviegoer? I mean, he's going to be introduced in the movie more, but I mean, I don't know. Aaron, you had a chance to watch the trailer for Ant-Man. What did you think about it? I thought the same thing about this trailer that I thought about the, um, <clears throat> what was that one with uh, Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie? The Eternals. Yeah, the same thing about the Eternals trailer, which even though I do not have superhero fatigue, I got superhero fatigue just watching this trailer. <laughs> I got, I was so, I was like so bored. Every trope, Every CGI, you know, special effect. I don't care about any of this. I hate Evangeline Lilly's hair. I, I, <laughs> I hate it. I'm like, who decided that? It was like Carrie Russell and Felicity all over again. I was having flashbacks to the 90s. I'm so upset. <laughs> I might consider boycotting it just over that haircut. I, I don't understand why Paul Rudd didn't have a single funny line. It's like, I don't want to watch Paul Rudd just be the hero. Yeah, let him be the hero, but let him be Paul Rudd. I want to see Paul Paul Rudd do what he does best. And what he does best is he says something totally straight and totally grounded. And it's totally hilarious. And I love it. And I go, wow, look at that personality. I want to watch that. If I want to see just another generic superhero movie, I can go watch the entire library of the other ones. 
I honestly, I don't care. I just don't care about any of this. And so for me, when you go, I wonder, is my mom going to be excited about this movie? I'm your mom and I'm not excited. Okay. To everyone out there, I'm your mom and I'm not excited. Somebody in the chat, they said their mom was excited because Jonathan Majors is in it and she doesn't know who Kang is, but she's excited about Jonathan Majors. Sure. I'll be that person. But as far as this movie, I didn't see anything specific about this that made me the average non-interested in, you know, the MCU go, oh, my God, I have to see that movie. This is something new. This is something different. I really care about these people because I don't. Yes. And, you know, and here's the funny. I'm, I, because you and I did, you and I did not talk about this before the show started. We haven't talked about the Sandman trailer at all. And I was wondering if that would happen. And, and here's the thing. While. I mean, I found the specific things in it that I was looking for, and so I got excited about it, and you got excited, but I remember thinking, I I don't think you're alone, Aaron. I think there's going to be a lot of casual moviegoers that watch this and and just think, I don't know what I just saw. I, I like, I don't know what I just watched. And... I wonder if that'll be the case. I had a lot of fun with it, but and it's it, just my opinion. And there, yeah. I, and just like the Eternals trailer, when you know people are like, "But Aaron, I love it." Well, you can love it, and I love that you love it. I don't, and I think that just like there will be a lot of people who love this trailer, there will also be a lot of people who just go next, and that would be me. I mean, I understand. And your mom. I, I, I <laughs> think mom. you you actually make a really great point here because, you know, the thing about Paul Rudd's Ant Man. He is the most grounded of the characters. I mean, and none of that grounding is apparent, even to the point where he's now going to red carpet events with Evangeline Lilly. He's been the toast of the town. There's none of that everyman quality. And now of all the characters, he's the one going up against Kang. Now, I get it. And look, I'm excited for this movie. I'm not going to lie. I can't wait to see it. I hope there's big things, big doings, going ons and all that. But but it didn't feel like the previous two Ant now, Man to be movies. fair, to, to be fair, well, I agree. I agree because, you know, we never saw any of Scott Lang's personality in this trailer. No. But to be fair, the first trailer did, right? The first trailer, it's he's true. walking into the ice cream store. Thank you, Spider-Man. Like, we, yes. we got that. So to be fair to it, the first trailer did give us that sense of him, the, 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 the more fun aspect, the more lightheartedness of Scott Lang and stuff like that. And so in this trailer, maybe the fact that they covered that in the first trailer, they felt we can take a little bit of liberty here with the second trailer because we already kind of established that part of it in the first. I'm not speaking for them. I'm just guessing off the top of my head. But anyway, guys, question is for you. What did you think of the the new trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? I quite liked it, but I have a feeling it might miss with some more casual moviegoers I, I i mean i don't know how did you feel about it whatever you guys think jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down we are now going to move on and start taking questions live questions from you guys our channel members uh, some of you are already fired in your month anniversary super chats we're going to get to those first and then we'll get to those of you guys who are writing in on the community tab where jonathan has put up that post for those of us for those of you who are our channel members but before we get to those we want to take a second and thank a couple more sponsors of today's episode of the john campus show our friends at DraftKings and ryan reynolds's own mint mobile guys we want to thank one of the sponsors of this video DraftKings. 
Guys, the NFL playoff picture is now locked in, and your go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So to kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? And if it were me, I wouldn't be betting against the Bills or the Bengals right now. So guys, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code Campia, C-A-M-P-E-A. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code Campia. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. If saving more and spending less is one of your top goals for 2023, why are you still paying insane amounts of money every month for your phone bill? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save money this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Guys, I have told you before that when I was on one of the major phone carriers, I was spending literally three times as much every month and switching to Mint Mobile couldn't have been easier. So for people just looking to save some extra money this year, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily in just minutes with eSIM. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at DraftKings and my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile, for being sponsors of the John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to our channel members' questions. What are we going to start off with here, Taylor? All right, so first up is Matthew Smith, who says Adam Driver would be way better as Ben Grimm. Yeah, I, I don't I don't personally see it. I mean, he's a good enough diverse actor that they did do that. I'd, I'd be open to it, but I I don't personally agree with that myself. All right. What's next? All right. Next up is Suthius. Aren't we getting a Captain Planet movie anyways by the fifth avatar? I mean, we got Earth and water already. Fire is going to be in number three. So it's going to be Captain Navi up in that <clears throat> bitch for the final movie. Uh, I mean, listen, I wouldn't put anything by James Cameron at this point because, yeah, we've already had the forest. We've had water. Next one, we're going to get fire. Uh, next, we're going to get, I don't know, wind. I mean, <laughs> earth, wind, and fire, baby. It's all coming. All right, what's next? <laughs> all right, next up is Spencer Smothers. Congrats, Rob, on the Seahawks making the playoffs. All right. Even though it cost my Lions a spot. I'm just happy that the Lions got a primetime game to show everyone what Dan Campbell is building over there. I'll tell you what. Watch out for the Detroit Lions next season. They went they went eight and two in their final ten games. Eight and two. And they look like world beaters. And I was I, I mean, I told people to like everybody's saying, so Green Bay's gonna get in the playoffs. I'm like, don't sleep on Detroit, man. Like all of a sudden, Goff remembered that he was a highly touted prospect coming into the NFL. He suddenly remembered how to play football again. Their defense, their offense is creative and fun. These guys are 
ballers, and they turned it around. I'm just saying, I'm not going to say they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. Watch out for Detroit next week. Football sport. Thanks, Detroit. All right, what's next? (laughs) All right, next up is Adrienne Knight, who says, Hey, everyone, what do you think of Marvel Anthology series ideas like The War Dog of Wakanda or Hank Penn story, or do you have an idea? No, the, the, the anthology story they should do that is cost effective, that is keeps everything on and will have people entertained is the the characters from WandaVision. It's the two broke girls. Uh, what's her name again? Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings. Yeah, Kat, yeah. Kat Dennings and Asian Jim. And Randall Park. Is it Randall Park? Is it Randall Park? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those two in an X-Files style show. I know it's it's been the big fan thing, but I'm telling you what that show take the fan fanism out of it. That show works well, and, and they it's can go cost effective. Yeah, and they can go examine the MCU in a way that they haven't been doing that. Like, what do we have to wait till New World Order till somebody's talking about there's a celestial in the ocean? Oh, <laughs> I mean, there's so much they could go be doing right now. All right, what's next? All right, next up is Manny Garcia. If Quantumania is as good as the trailer makes it to be, where does the Ant-Man trilogy rank in the MCU set of trilogies? Hard to say. I mean, obviously the the Captain America one is the that that's that's the top of the hill. Um but then like the other ones have a couple of great installments and a really weak one. Like so Thor, yeah, Thor 2. Uh Iron Man some would say you have Iron Man 2 and 3. I, I, I like Iron Man I like 3, them. but I mean, Iron Man 2 is the weaker one. Um, I don't know. It, I'd say, you know what? I just put it down with everything else. I think you've got the Captain America one, which is head, head and shoulders above everything else, and then you've got the rest. All right, what's next? All right, next up is Slarf. What a great year of movies we had in 2022. My top five of the year were number one, X, two, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Three, Pearl. Four, Barbarian. Five, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Thanks, and bring on the filthy. Yeah, obviously, I'm not an X or Pearl person. And and I thought The Unbearable Weight of Being was clever and cute, and I enjoyed it. I, I didn't think it was great, but that's the great thing about the year movies that was. There were some incredible films, a lot of films that appealed to certain types of people, other films that appealed to other types of people. It was truly a great year for film, and I think 2023 is going to be better. All right, what's next? All right, next up is Jared W., Watched Puss in Boots last night due to Taylor's excitement over it. Can't remember the last time I got so emotional in a movie. Animation style also didn't bother me as much as I thought it might. Jared, I'm so glad you got a chance to watch it. I was also nervous going into it about the new animation style, but I grew to love it. And I hope if we get a Shrek 5, I would I would love to see what that would look like with this new animation style. Um, the Well, the, particularly the animation style with the action was was very unique and different and i didn't like it at first but it grew on me mm-hmm. again not one of the best animated films i've seen in years or anything like that but a truly fun time at the movies i really enjoyed puss in boots i'll be watching it a few more times all right what's next chris fields who decides which trailers and how many play before a movie the theater the studio thinks it's the, the theaters ultimately the theaters decide what they will and will not play that's totally up to their purview obviously the uh, there's a lot of input it's 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 far more complicated than this there's a lot of input from what the studios are trying to put out there too but bottom line is theaters play what they want to play all right what's next all right next up is sam fisher did you watch the new season of letter kenny that dropped on boxing day it was <gasps> fine but something about it felt hollow it felt like it was missing something. No, I actually haven't watched the last number of seasons of Letter Kenny. I'm, I'm far behind on it. So, no, I've not watched the newer stuff. And what's the spinoff? They did a spinoff as well. 
Tom, um, lo- I said to him, I said, there is this really stupid show that John won't stop talking about. And I watched <laughs> the first five minutes and I hate it. So I'm pretty sure you're going to love it. And of course he did because Tom loves all stupid things. Um, but I actually grew to love it myself. He married so. you. Who knows? <laughs> just taste can't be all that bad. That's all. Oh, I meant that as this taste can't be all that wow. bad. I meant that as a compliment. Demonetized. Canceled. Big W for John. So, well done, well done, friend. Um, yes, he does like stupid things, which is why he married me. But then, just like Letterkenny, I grew to love me too. Oh, I love that. All right, what's next? <laughs> all right, next up is Scott. Collins, happy birthday, by the way. It says, spending my birthday uh, standing at Magic Kingdom, listening to the John Campia show, best day ever. Uh, I'm going to guess that's the Florida one, because I don't think anybody's standing around outside of the, at the California <laughs> one today. I hope you have a great time. All right, what's next? All right, next up is Ryan Ramirez. Hey, member for six months now. When will we be filled in on what was covered in the town hall stream? Um. Well, I mean, it's still there. If you're if you're a channel member, you have access to those streams. Just go into the community tab, scroll down until you see uh, the uh, the town hall meeting there, and you can watch it there. All right, what's next? All right, next up, talking entertainment with Josie answers our question of what the mystery regal screening was. Oh, it was missing. So yeah, so she goes on to or sorry, he goes on to say regal did not disappoint last night, and neither did missing. Just as good as searching with twists and turns, more than emotional, and Storm Reed delivers her best performance. Run and see it. Yeah, I mean, look, searching was one of the quieter, most pleasant surprise movies because it looked just looked stupid. But you had John Cho in there, you had Deborah Deborah Messing in there, and so you know, checked it out. It was really good, and I, I so I'm glad to hear that this one's good. I gotta be honest with you though. Uh, hearing that the mystery movie was missing does not get me any more excited about going to the next Regal. Because the last, like, honestly, the Regal, the concept of the Regal secret movie and mystery movie is a great concept. But if you always know that you're getting the bottom of the barrel as far as anticipated movies go, like, like I went and it was greatest beer run ever. I was holding out to hope it was going to be one of the, like, Every once in a while, you got to make it that it's one of the bigger, really anticipated movies to make it interesting. If you just know, well, what's kind of like the least anticipated movie out there coming that's coming out in the next three weeks? That's going to be the mystery movie. Then it doesn't really give you a lot of incentive to want to go. I don't know, Rob, have you gone to one of these things? Or? No, but I, I mean, obviously they kind of can't like they can't show a Marvel movie because the surprises will get out, you know, so I think they're they have to show movies that are maybe good or have some kind of interest that don't give away anything, which means they're, I think, fairly limited in terms of what they're going to be able to show. Have you and Tom ever gone to one of these like mystery screenings where you like, it's the concert is great. You pay five bucks for a ticket. You go into the theater and you don't know what movie you're going to watch until it's, it's all they tell you. It's, it's an upcoming wide release film, but have you guys ever gone to it? We have a child and babysitters are expensive. So that is a really, I would rather go to Vegas and gamble away $200 than spend $200 on a babysitter to, to go and watch a movie. I may not be interested in seeing. Is that what babysitters make? I mean, they Ray, make, I found your side hustle. Okay. I mean, in LA, Ray, they're like, in LA, they're like 22 to $25 an hour. So, you know, I'm not getting the time. The kid's just asleep. So they just sit there and watch Netflix and chill. So, Ray you know, is in, great with kids. 
Because, I know he is. My my son loves Ray. So 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 Tom and Aaron came over to watch an episode of House of the Dragon, right? So in the theater room, they brought the little orgy Tommy episode. Over. The orgy. It turns out it was the big orgy episode. <laughs> Saved that one for him. So so Ray, Ray was over too, and like the whole runtime, little Tommy was fascinated. With Ray, like every Ray would do anything, and the baby would laugh his full head off. He like, just, just and every time I'd be Ray. like, "Okay, come sit next to me, like just like sit here and relax and chill and try not to act like a child." And he'd be like, "No, I want Ray. I he want would Ray." He like way to me. He would he he'd crawl over to Ray and, 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 and faces right crawl right over to Ray and just be like <laughs> breathing <laughs> down your neck like a weird <laughs> rabid animal. He's a cute kid. And then Ray would say something to the baby, and the baby would just laugh his head off. Mm-hmm. It's like it was amazing. I'm telling you, Ray can suddenly start pulling in six figures. Yeah, for real. <laughs> All right. No, we have not. We have not done this. I didn't even know that this was a thing, but now I know. So, when the All kid right. turns two and can stay home on his own, we will go. What's next? All right. Our last one comes to us from Reamer Bulldog. Hashtag Go Dogs. And I love the Ant Man three trailer. Kang looks incredible. Super hyped for this movie. Kang. I mean, one of my biggest takeaways was Kang looks great. Yeah. And like he. I mean, they need to do more, but he's, you get that sense of dread, right? And that's what one of the main things they have to establish. And uh, for people who don't know who Kang is, maybe they didn't do that great of a job. For people who do know that he is, it's like, wow, this iteration looks great. So I'm I'm very, very excited to see where they go with that. Can I, All right. Can, can I say something real yeah, quick? Yeah. To that fellow Bulldog, I just didn't pick the team. I, I've been following the Bulldogs since AJ Green, but mainly Matt, Matt Stafford played there. And we got a center, Trey Hill. On the For Bengals. some reason, I thought Stafford was a Stanford guy, but he was—he was a Georgia Bulldog. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, so that's why. That's why. And Harry the Bulldog, the the mascot. Yep, he's a cool mascot. So that's Uga. What do they call? They call him Uga, right? Uga the Bulldog. <laughs> All right, with that down, let's go over to the live questions that our channel members have been firing in there. So, Aaron, what do we've got? The first question comes from, or the comment comment comes from Sam Fisher, who says, I love Scott's motivation in the Ant-Man trailer. He wants to get that time he lost with Cassie back. That is 100% something Kang could do. Also, I think and hope the fight at the end of the trailer is one of those variant murders that we talk about. I'm not going to hope that the Scott dies, but I love the line in it. I don't have to win. I just need us both to lose. Right. <laughs> I, I love that line. He's obviously been taking a beating. How does Ant-Man even fight Kang? I don't know. There's obviously going to be a plot device in there that makes that possible, but... Uh, yeah, it could be pretty cool. All right, what's next? From Alan Watson. Hey, guys, what do you think about Modek being Darren Cross? Comic purists will riot, but I believe it's a solid choice in the context of the MCU. Love y'all and bring on the filthy. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say to that. Um, uh, you know, the, the, I, I didn't particularly enjoy the depiction of Modoc in this trailer. Really? I thought uh, you would have. Uh, it, I guess I need to see more in context. It just looked... I mean, Modoc's goofy anyway, but it looked kind of goofy, like really goofy <laughs> in the trailer. And I was expecting something more... I really have to see it in context. I actually thought Modoc looked pretty good. I was like, as a new iteration. Yeah, as a new, but it looked still. I guess the little arms. I, I guess that's Modoc. But, but that is Modoc, right? I know. I mean, but here's the thing too. I, I don't think Modoc's going to be a major character in this movie. No, I don't either. So I think there are going to be some people going in thinking there's going to be all this huge plot points that are going to be revolving around Modoc, and I don't know. This is a fact, but. 
I think you might be setting yourself up for disappointment because I don't think he's going to be that major of a character in the movie. But I don't know. We'll find out. All right. What's next? From King Daddy Goat. Love that. Am I the only one who felt extremely eerie when watching the Ant-Man trailer? The end of the trailer gave me such dark vibes. Marvel has a game changer here. Thanks again, guys. Hope you're having a great one. The, The promise of this movie is that this is going to be the movie that puts this entire phase of Marvel into context. Because up until this point, now that we're through phase four, the question that a lot of people were asking, I don't care as much personally because I just like good individual movies, but the question a lot of people have been asking is, we don't know what the story of the MCU is at this point. We don't know how any of this connects together. But again, to me, that's not that big of an issue. I just like to have good, solid individual movies. But a lot of people have been asking that. And this is the movie that's supposed to put all that into context. So the fact that it will be darker, the fact that it does have some eeriness to it, I think we are going to get revelations and things happen in this. Again, I saw a couple of images that I told Rob about. We'll we'll see how much that comes into play or not. Um, But it's supposed to do that. And if it can do that, I mean, listen, it sounds weird to say it about an Ant-Man movie. This could be like one of the pivotal MCU movies to date. Right. I mean, you you really could have our entire understanding of where the MCU is right now turn on its access with this movie. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. All right. What's next? From Chris Martin. Hey, John and crew. What do you think are Jamie Lee Curtis's chances of winning her first Oscar for Everything Everywhere All at Once? This was one of my favorite performances of the year, and I think this could finally be her time. I think she's going to get a nomination. Yeah. She has zero chance of winning. She has zero chance of winning. Because the Queen of Wakanda is going to win it this year. <laughs> it Angela Bassett's going to win it this year. Uh, and, and, and she deserves it. Um, I, I, I thought Jamie Lee Curtis was great in everything ever all once. She was, but, and, and I, I still can't guarantee that Angela Bassett will win, but she will definitely finish in the votes ahead of Jamie Lee Curtis. I mean, I don't know. Who, who do you see? Do you have a particular favorite for best supporting actress this year? I have been wanting Angela Bassett to win since waiting to exhale. Uh. When she burns that and she's like, it won't happen again to the police officer. Oh, my gosh. Get your shit. Get your shit. I mean, if you haven't seen Waiting to Exhale, it is my favorite Angela Bassett performance. And I am I will I, I, I don't care what she does for the rest of her career. Any Oscar she wins will always in my heart be for that movie. So go, Angela, go. All right. What's next? From Jared Vester, hey crew, hope you had a good weekend. Since these two directors have massive love for the Marvel movies, if you had to bet $1,000, who would most likely direct a Marvel movie, Tarantino or Cameron? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I it, obviously neither of them ever will. But if if you told me, if somebody came to me from the future and said, one of these two do, I would say it's going to be Cameron. Because on top of everything else, Tarantino doesn't do franchise stuff, especially other people's stuff. He just doesn't do it. Whereas, hey, listen, let's let's not all forget. James Cameron was making a Spider-Man movie. Everybody forgets that. James Cameron has a Spider-Man movie that almost was. And so, again, I don't think either of them ever will, but I think it's pretty clear if we were told from the future that one of them did, 
it would be James Cameron. I don't know what you think. I, I agree with you. I mean, Tarantino would want to write it himself, and I don't mm-hmm. think he would want to be constrained by the MCU itself. No. And work within that. He might do a comic book movie, a Marvel Comics film, but probably outside of the MCU or something that has a tenuous Something like tie. the way Joker was to DC. Yeah. Abs- that's exactly right. Yes. All right. What's next? Oh, sorry. My Comic Planet said I watched the latest episode of 1923 and it was brilliant. You should give the show another shot, John. I really think it's hit its stride now. Eh. Um, I mean, I I will probably continue to watch it. Um, but because I love the Yellowstone universe so much, so I will probably continue to watch it. I watched it. The fourth episode last oh, night. Oh, did you? What yeah. did you think of it? Because you you have not loved the series up till now. No, it's look. I still think the the Africa storyline. Like I get it <laughs> enough. Let's come to America already. But Helen Mirren uh, delivered an incredible performance last night. I mean, incredible, and it's very interesting. I mean, you should watch these last two episodes. Oh, I will. I, it's just here's the thing. I I don't feel like I. When's the new episode out? I got to watch yeah. it. I, you know, sometime this week, next week, maybe the week after, I'll, I'll get caught up. Yeah, because it, yeah. it went on hiatus after this episode. Oh, okay. It doesn't come back till February. So, so just so I know, this is not 1899, and this is not 1883. 1883. No, there's 1883, and there's 
Aaron McDonough, I love your name, said, I'm definitely a lot more interested in Phase 5 now, and I hope the quality can be improved going forward, although there were some shots in that trailer that looked questionable with the CGI, e.g. MODOK. Look, I want to preface this again. Guys, don't get too excited about trailers. I always tell people, listen, if you didn't like a trailer, don't let your entire mood about an overall movie. Trailer's a trailer. Remember, the trailer is not made by the people who made the movie. Peyton Reed did not make these trailers. There's still like 90% of the movie going on. It's just assume the directors make the trailers. They don't. The studio takes footage, hands it over to a third-party company most of the time. Sometimes they'll have an in-house in department. By the way, watch a documentary about this called Movie Trailers, A Love Story. You'll learn a lot about the trailer business. <laughs> excellent but, editing. Excellent editing on Shot that documentary. Really well too. Um, but So don't get too down about a movie if you don't like a trailer. But don't let your expectations get too carried away if you do like a trailer. I, I, I just like, just remember, a trailer's a trailer, the movies are the movies. But uh, yeah, just keep that in mind. All right, what's next? Shaky Jake 93 says, GM Farmers, so excited for the Titanic re-release. Titanic is my number one film of all time. I started at four years old. Wow. Jack is the reason I'm an artist today. Wow. Did I get in trouble for drawing naked women in school? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. Love y'all and keep farming our smiles. Oh, my uh, gosh. I love that. The, the smile farming. Um, I mean, yeah, listen, I still remember the first time I saw Titanic. I Listen, I thought... I was just going for the girl who wanted to see it, you know, and I was like, fine, I'll endure three hours of this. Because remember, at that time, Leonardo DiCaprio was on the cover of all the teen magazines. That was a thing at one point, the teeny bopper magazines. And that's all it was like, oh, God, this isn't going to be for me. And I listen, I was taken with that movie, man. It's a it's a great movie. It's a great movie. And it still has a lot of influence again today. Twenty five years later, you hear. Right. That's what cats sound like. Yes. Um, anyway, so yeah. Thank anyway. All right. What's that next? That will be stuck in your heads for the rest of the day. You're welcome. Dean Murdoch says, I was honestly so hyped watching the new Ant-Man trailer, and I immediately showed it to my mom, not Aaron, because she loves Paul Rudd in the previous Ant-Man movies, and she said, we are going to have to rewatch the first two, LOL. I can't wait for this movie and for tickets to drop. I am. That brings a really good question. I am very, very curious about... How will this movie do? Like, I, I don't think this is going to be a billion dollar film. I would love it if it is. I hope it is. But again, I first of all, because the Ant-Man franchise has never been a billion dollar franchise. And again, I wonder how the casual moviegoer is going to look at this trailer. So I, I wonder, like, I wonder, is this going to be a $600 million movie? Is this going to be an $800 million movie? Is it going to be the first Ant-Man billion dollar film? I don't know. Do you got any kind of guesses for that? I, you know, I again, it seems to me from what we've seen, I think that there's a lot of this movie we haven't seen at all that we don't know anything of. I think they're drawing upon, as they do on Marvel movies, a couple of scenes because it seems like, okay, don't turn on that because we don't want to get sucked in the quantum realm. Oops, we got sucked in the quantum realm. <laughs> then Kang's down there and Kang wants something that Michelle Pfeiffer knows about and blackmails Scott Lang into giving it to him so he can have time with his daughter. That's pretty, that's like 10 minutes. Uh, what's the rest of this movie about? There's got to be a lot more to this movie than we are seeing in this trailer. And I think whatever that is, is going to draw people in. People are going to be like, oh my God, did you see that? Because right now, the trailer, while I find it intriguing, I'm not from a, I, I don't, 
I don't like, I want to see it, but it's like, uh, intellectually, I'm like, what am I getting at? So he wants time with his daughter, but I mean, okay. So he fell in with the, he's the thing about it is, so his daughter grew up a little bit more, but he also has five years of time that didn't, he didn't live. So it's not like he aged when it snapped. So he got time and missed her growing up, but he gets to be Ant-Man for longer than he thought. By the way, one of my favorite days ever, speaking of Ant-Man, was I literally got to go and hang out for the day. I just had this like hour-long talk and thing I got to do, and I got to hang out for the afternoon with Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd, uh, and it was one of the... Mike, okay, I got, he was totally lying, absolutely, absolutely lying, but um, Michael Douglas, I remember we, we did our first round of the interview, right? and then we took a little bit of a break, and I, they had a little food station, and I went over, you know, and grabbed a snack. And Michael Douglas, this is why I will always be a Michael Douglas fan, because he totally lied to my face, but it was so generous of him to do. He came over, tugs on my arm, he goes, hey, man, I just want, you know, you're really good at this. Like, I was sitting there doing the interviews. And he just, then he was just, like, really complimentary for a few minutes. And I'm like, I'm saying this to my head. This is internal monologue. It's like, I will love you forever. And, and Paul Rudd was hilarious the whole like the whole day he had me cracking up it was just one of my favorite things so well, let's also be- remember that michael douglas won his first academy award not for acting but for producing and so he does not have to say things like that there is absolutely no reason why he would go up to you and say hey you're really good at this unless he actually believed it and well he knows it- how to play the game he knows how to play the game because now he's got this now he's got this guy this this uh, online nobody for the rest of my career going to always be talking about how great I think Michael Douglas is. It was it was strategic. yeah, but think about how many how many press junkets and horrible interviews he sat through. Like, I mean, and any one of us could can at this point in our careers knows when someone is good at interviewing someone and not because we've seen it happen enough times. We've seen enough bad ones, and so I apl- I applaud the fact that he took the time to tell you, but I don't think that he was blowing smoke. Well. I'll, I'll, I'll choose to believe you. I will choose Do to it. believe that. Always believe. Always bet on mama. This is from Greg Anthony. Hey, John, have you still been streaming Tulsa King? Call me crazy, but it's my favorite show in a while, and I feel like it's Sly's best performance of his career. Woo, I would not say it's the best performance of his career. I mean, that uh, honestly, that for me goes to a little film he did called Copland, which if you haven't seen Copland, you really should. James Mangold. I have really enjoyed this show. It's good. I mean, there was a part there around episode two or three that I thought, oh, it's sliding a bit, but it came back and I'm loving Stallone in it. Um, He's not, here's the great thing about Stallone. He's not afraid to embrace his age because he's got a lot in this. It's like, I'm whatever years old and I'm whatever, but he's still sly. And I totally buy him as the aging mobster and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And yet I, and even though he's embracing his age in it, Make no mistake, you still don't want to cross him. And he'll beat the living crap out of you. I, I mean, I'm really enjoying this show a lot. I, and not my favorite show on TV, but it's it's quite... I admit, when I first heard the concept of it, before we saw the trailers, just heard the concept of it, I thought, well, this is kind of a throwaway kind of thing, but I, I've been enjoying it a lot. <clears throat> All right, what's next? From Cody Hunt, now we know that Scott wants to turn back time and have more time with his daughter. It kind of sounds similar to the grief that T'Challa felt in the original Wakanda Forever script. Well, yeah. So, of course, information came out about what 
before the passing of Chadwick Boseman, what Wakanda Forever was going to be. And it had a little bit of that theme in it. Now, I don't know that he's looking for him to be sent back in time. Remember, you're talking about Kang who can manipulate the timeline and all that kind of stuff. So, but clearly they enter into some kind of bargain, some kind of an agreement. What the big MacGuffin here is what is Kang after? What is Kang actually, and how or why would he possibly need the least powerful Avenger? Arguably, but then he did take down Falcon. He he won a he won a fight against Falcon, so I'll give him that. But I mean, what? How could he possibly need what? What is out there that Scott Lang can get, but he but Kang can't? That's what I'm fascinated about, Rob. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I have no idea because. Uh, I, I just don't know because obviously, you know, Ant-Man found out about the quantum realm fairly recently and of course came out of it in Endgame. So I think what it ties into something, obviously Michelle Pfeiffer, there's a lot of history there with Kang and Michelle Pfeiffer. That's what I'm interested in. What happened between them? What's but, going on? But the real question is over under 20% shares. If I could turn back time is somehow featured in this movie. <laughs> oh God. You, you may it's think you're iteration. joking. No, I I'm think, serious. I'm not going to say 80%. Over 20. I think it's playing on a radio somewhere yeah. or something. If I could turn back time. I love the... Well, never mind. I'm It'll be a montage when Scott Lang's looking at Cassie. <laughs> thinking about it. All right, let's take one more. What's next? All right, oh, special surprise. guest reader here. All right, I'm also everybody's mom. Uh, let's see. Our last <laughs> one comes to us from James Boner. Uh, hello, John and crew. I'm really enjoying... <laughs> 1923 no spoilers but what do you think so far thanks well i mean yeah once again i have not enjoyed it uh i haven't watched the newest episode i really like the first episode but then this show that i was looking forward to starring harrison ford and helen mirren hardly had harrison ford and helen mirren the african story was stupid and the the school with the young girl in it they just repeated the exact same story beats from the first episode and the second episode and yeah, I get. I, I I have not tapped out of the show. I'm going to keep up with it myself personally, but I'm not loving it so far. But I haven't seen the newest episode yet. But even so, it still seems like it's been two episodes of story stretched into four episodes. Mm. That's I still get that because the stuff in Africa now moves at a snail's pace. Like I was watching, you'll see in the fourth episode when they they go back to Africa. It's like, why am I watching this? You know, I'm watching these two people hang out on the beach. Like, literally, there's literally no plot other than, oh, let me show you this beach place for a while. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? Where's the narrative thrust, so to speak? Thrust. All right, guys. And that'll do it <laughs> for today's installment of the John Campy Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to you guys, our channel members, for sending in these topics. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, just by being channel members, you've been supporting this show and all of us involved with the John Campy Show. Thank you guys so very much for your support. Guys, don't forget, a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time, we're going to be doing an open mic. Now, I don't know yet. If it's going to be a regular open mic or a play in chat, we'll figure that out. But come on back and join me and Rob for an open mic at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time. We'll look forward to you there. and We'll have our regular super chats open and available for you guys to use. I want to thank everybody in the room. Of course, Robert Meyer Burnett. Back there has been Ray Aura. We, of course, have had Taylor Gonzalez running the show as Jonathan Voico, our very own Aaron Cummings. And by the way, I watched the episode of FBI Most Wanted. You are a Horrible mom. Terrible mom. But, oh my God, you're so good in that. And of course, little Joey Bishop. My name's John Campia, guys. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends.
Bye-bye.